We're continuing our discussion of the Chatur Shlok of Srimad Bhagavatam. We come tonight to chapter 9, verse 34 of the second canto. This is the second of the four verses. Riteritam yat pratiyeta na pratiyeta chatmani tadvidyaratmanovayam etabashulyatatama. So here Krishna responds to Brahma with regard to his second question. He has two questions that uh, come under the heading of Sambandha. First was about the nature of Krishna's form that he was experiencing. And the second was about the nature of the his shaktis by which he accomplishes various things, by which his leela is self-accomplished, um, That is to say, under the influence of his Swarup Shakti, which, as we've discussed, is more one with him than than it is different. <clears throat> it is assumed, just uh, along with the mention of him, as I said the other night, quoting Prabhupada, Krishna is never alone. So, <clears throat> with regard to that, he asked, as well as with regard to his other... Shaktis, that by which, uh, of which I should say, that the world is constituted by which, in conjunction with the world, is 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 manifest. These, of course, are not the only shaktis, of Bhagavan. Indeed, Svetashvatar Upanishad um, states clearly that that um, that Prasyashaktir. Uh, his shaktis are um, multiple, uh, manifold, perhaps innumerable. Hmm. Um, this happens to be a Upanishadic statement on which much of the balance of Gaudiya Vaishnavism hangs, the explanation of shakti. Hmm. And... Uh, 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 which of course reaches the point of Jairadhe and the emphasis on on uh, Shirada as the uh, Bhakti Devi, the uh, primal Shakti, as Krishna is Swam Bhagavan, she is Swam Shakti, and so on and so forth. So it's a, it's a very uh, important idea, the Shakti of Bhagavan, very much developed in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, and and it very much hinges on it, so to speak. So this is one of the Upanishadic statements, like another, for example, Rasovaisaha, Krishna's Rasa, Brahmana's Rasa, that um, the Gaudiyas have made uh, much out of, and for good reason, um, and uh, and their their reasoning about it, their emphasis on it, of course, is, is supported by, by Srimad Bhagavatam. Mm-hmm. So, as Krishna said, um, in his introductory, first of two introductory verses to the four slokas, I will give you jnanam paramaguyam yad vijnana samambhita. I will give you confidential knowledge. Hmm? And we largely spoke about that with regard to his form, and that is covered in the first of the four verses that he speaks. And so... Gyanam paramoguya metad vigyanam samanvita. We explained vigyanam in a number of ways, 
but last night we emphasized with regard to this verse, which was upcoming and is here before us today, that vigyanam means, uh, can mean a special kind of knowledge, visheshkyanam. So vishesh means difference, variety. And as much as last night's verse was spoken from a bay and abed perspective, the idea of non-difference, there's only Krishna, Aham, Evasam, Evagri. It was I that existed before the creation, during the creation. It was only Evam, and Aham, Evam, Aham, Eva, only I. Only I existed before the creation. During the manifestation of the world, only I exist. And after its annihilation, only I exist. So it's only Krishna existing in all phases of uh, manifest and unmanifest existence. We talked about that. Um, it's a way of speaking about the nature of uh, ultimate reality, largely, I say, from the obey, the non-different. There's nothing other than Krishna hmm? perspective. Now, tonight's verse, we're going to speak a little bit about the from the Bayed perspective, that there is difference. So, as we know, uh, there's difference and there's non-difference, and they're interpenetrable, so they're simultaneously occurring, interpenetrating one another, and that is a bit of a, a logical short circuit, circuit, so we give the term achintya, achintya beda beda, the nature of um, being, the nature of reality, the nature of the ultimate reality of the Godhead. Hmm? One and difference. So the difference, again, um, comes up when we introduce the, the shaktis. So this is then visheshgyan that he said he would give, vigyanam. Hmm? And uh, we saw from the questions of Brahma that give rise to this particular answer, Krishna's or answering his questions in order, um, that uh, Brahma inquired about maya, the Shakti of Bhagavan, and he uh, used the term Yoga Maya. So, um, and the example of the spider and the web, and how the spider expands the web and contracts the web, and, and he's separate from the web, and at the same time the web is dependent upon him, and so forth. It's a nice example. So, uh, this can be applied uh, with regard to the material world, obviously, that manifests and becomes unmanifest. Um, uh, but also to the to the spiritual world and the influence of the Swarup Shakti, in which wherein uh, the the form of the Lord is is it appears and disappears in 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 yoga and biyoga and vipralamba and sambhog and union and separation, so on and so forth. And Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur would like to take Brahma's question in that direction, so um, Krishna's answer can also be looked at in that way with a with a with a a little bit more of a direct, if you will, emphasis on the Swarup Shakti that was implied hmm, yesterday, as we discussed. You can't have Krishna without his Swarup Shakti. You can't have Swayam Bhagavan Sri Krishna without his Swarup Shakti. You might have Brahman. Hmm, you might have Paramatma. Hmm, but you can't have Krishna. You can't really have Narayan either, but what to speak of Krishna? Hmm, Krishna is, is, is that manifestation of the Godhead where the Swarup Shakti is taking such precedence hmm, in her essential um, uh, form as Bhakti. Hmm. Bhakti is the essence of the Swarup Shakti. It's taking such precedence that Krishna 
unlike Narayan, hmm, the god of the worlds, has been is, is conquered. Hmm. I don't know if Maharaj has gotten to this, but I believe by this time he's discussing the six qualities of uh, Uttambhakti, the last of which is Krishna Akarshani. Hmm. Means uh, Krishna means uh, who attracts, and he is attracted by bhakti. Indeed, he's overwhelmed by bhakti, conquered by bhakti. Sometimes the word is used to emphasize uh, the point jita jitopi, abhitrais trilokam. He is ajita becomes jita, it's unconquerable, becomes conquered. So this is the uh, the manifestation of the Godhead, as they say, where the Srupa Shakti is very prominently manifest, playing a role. And this is where Bhagavan shines most brilliantly, most beautifully. Like Prabhupada used to say, Krishna's not that attractive, but when he's standing next to Radha, then he's very attractive. Hmm. This idea. So... That uh, if we if we understand Krishna, then we understand that invoking the name Krishna um, is Rup Shakti is there. So it's not in the last verse when he's speaking about himself. He's also speaking about his Rup Shakti, his devotees, his entourage, and, and so forth. Um, but it kind of goes without saying now, because Brahma's asked about the Shakti, particularly independently of asking about his form in the context of pursuing Sambandagyan, here in the second verse, it, it can be construed to be speaking more directly about the Srupa Shakti as well as about the Jeev Shakti and the Maya Shakti. And these are the three kind of uh, Shaktis that are probably underscored, highlighted, uh, talked about the most. Prabhupada called them the internal, the external, and the marginal. They might be called the primary the secondary and the intermediate, or any such number of terms. That, again, Swarup Shakti, Antaranga Shakti. Hmm? Swarup Shakti means like it's the Shakti that's of his own nature, hmm? which again, I like the term because it emphasizes the oneness between that Shakti and himself. Hmm? Um, conversely, Antaranga Shakti, uh, or Swarup Shakti, uh, uh, Antaranga Shakti, internal energy. There's another way of talking, but the internal, the swarup, and by and conversely, the antaranga, the bahiranga, excuse me, excuse me, the bahiranga, conversely, the outside energy, the external energy, the secondary energy, maya shakti, and then, of course, the jiva shakti means, is the tatasta shakti, another name for that. Tata means neither here nor there, so kind of in between, could be on the one side, could be on the other, could be on the water, could be on the shore. It's compared to the line that demarks the two that you could talk about, but you can't put your finger on it. So we're hard to put our finger on. We need some help for that, what we are. <laughs> and we are really nothing, in a sense, independent of uh, a particular environment. There's no independent uh, domain of the jiva that is not under the influence of the sarup shakti or the maya shakti. Hmm. So we can't really talk about ourselves independent of the other two. And um, when we talk about ourselves, as the Bhagavatam does readily, in relation to the maya shakti, 
we're in a situation where we're still in, in need of finding ourselves. When we talk about ourselves in relation to the Sarup Shakti, we talk about a self that's been found. So the self is really fully itself and all that it can be hmm, in relation to uh, the, uh, the uh, Sarup Shakti, Bhakti, hmm, of which Bhakti is the essence. Hmm. So we can say, well, the jiva uncovered by maya is like this or that, but we're trying, trying to separate it. Even in Brahman, some some influences through Shakti. It's not very manifest, but this is the governs the whole of the spiritual sky. So uh, there's there's no really independent position of the jeev. Uh, it may not have may not have bhakti in uttam sense. Hmm? In relation, in, in being merged in Brahman, but it can't get there without bhakti, some form of bhakti, hmm? some influence of bhakti, makes that possible. Hmm? And if the uh, if the influence of bhakti has the upper hand over jnana or karma, it gets shantarasa, hmm? which is uh, in, in a neutral position of observance, something like the eternal beatific vision of the Absolute. Uh, so this is a, a position under the influence of Sarup Shakti. Hmm? The position of being merged in Brahman without any rasa, hmm? I suppose that's about as close as you could get to being not under the influence of the inter external energy and not under the influence of the uh, internal energy. But uh, I don't think we can say that, that the spiritual sky it includes the Brahman, has no influence whatsoever of the Sarup Shakti. So it's almost meaningless to talk about ourselves independent hmm, of one of these two Shaktis. Its, it's influence uh, defined. Just the Maya Shakti doesn't define us in a, in a very comprehensive sense. It defines us in terms of how we act and and in and, and a condition of ignorance that we find ourselves in. Hmm? Um, but the Sarup Shakti's influence defines us in a, in a larger sense in terms of all that we can be potentially hmm? um, as a unit of Satchitananda and uh, under the influence of Sandini, Sambit Ladini or Bhakti Devi, Sarup Shakti and engaged in, in, uh, in Bhakti. We have that potential. Maya Shakti doesn't have that potential. Hmm? Can't turn uh, material things into, into into devotees, so to speak. But we could uh, ourselves uh, turn ourselves into devotees. So, so three anyway, shaktis, two and a half, uh, three, <laughs> three. Sivanas <laughs> just described as three. Uh, Swarup shakti, the, the jiva, the tatasta shakti, the maya, the maya shakti. Hmm. Uh, Maya Shakti, another name for the un uh, Bahiranga Shakti, the Maya Shakti, the illusory Shakti. Hmm. Um, it uh, its influence is here, but it could be gone tomorrow hmm, over us. So um, anyway, here these things are discussed by Bhagavan, hmm. and. Um, 
And these shaktis are that by, by which, as we can see, that Bhagavan accomplishes things. By his rupa shakti, he accomplishes his lila. Hmm? By his maya shakti, in conjunction with the jiva shakti, the world is manifest and goes round. These two make it go round. In the previous verse, he said, sada sadham, that I am, I exist independent of sat and asat. There's different ways in which the charges have defined or translated the word sat and asat, a different meaning, real and unreal. Uh, it, it could mean, for example, I exist um, and above that which is sat, the jiva, and asat, which is the influence of, of maya. These two, which are now being discussed here in in, in this verse, um, beyond sometimes described beyond cause and effect, uh, in as much as the jiva is is a causal factor in the manifestation of the world, it's described like this in the Gita, when Krishna says, "Aparayam mitastanyam prakritim vidhime param jiva bhuta mahabaho yaedam daritejagat." Other than my material maya shakti, bhumirapoonalo bayu kamanobudreva cha, described in eightfold earth, water, fire, air, ether, in a general way, mind, and intelligence, ahankar. There's another, other than that, there's another energy. Apareya mitastanyam prakritim vidhime param jiva bhuta mahabaho. And it is, it is uh, jiva bhuta. Hmm? It is. It is very interesting. It is the. It is. It is prakriti. Prakriti means nature. It is parprakriti. Hmm? It is a. It is. It is a. It is a, a, a transcendent, if you will, ultimately in essence, uh, shakti, independent of of the Maya shakti. Maya is shakti, the manifestation of the world. The world is is is, is prakriti, and Bhagavan is purusha. Hmm? The jiva is parapakriti, but it's also a a parapurusha, <laughs> uh, if you will. Uh, therefore, we say that the jiva shakti is just that, a a, a, a shakti, but it's also described as vibhinamsa. Hmm? Swamsa, vibhinamsa. Amsa means a, man, a, a, a partial manifestation of Bhagavan, like, like Kalki, like, like um, uh, Varaha. Narsingha, all the different avatars and so forth, huh? Mahavishnu, uh, so on. Um, these are all swamsa. Sometimes we refer to them as Vishnu Tattva. And then there's the Amsa, there are the, the, the Vibhinamsa, Swamsa, Swa Amsa, Swa, his own Amsa. And then there's the Vibhinamsa, the separated Amsa, the Jiva. So when we talk about the Jiva as Vibhinamsa, He's kind of an apara purusha, you know, an inferior purusha. Hmm? When we talk about the jiva as shakti tattva, we say it's para prakriti. Hmm? Prakriti and para prakriti. So there's material nature, and then there's this other nature or shakti that's superior. Hmm? It's of a shakti nature, or it could be looked at, as I say, as a purusha. So this combination of purusha and prakriti, or para prakriti and prakriti, makes the world go round. So Krishna says there's another. Prakriti, other than this one that's separated from me, hmm, being a prakriti rashta, this eightfold separated energy that doesn't that I never touch, I never come in contact with. Hmm. Well, kind of I do by glancing at her. It's said in the Bible, if he glances at her, he's gone there. It's over. 
If he looks, then he's gone. So the Vishnu looks at Maya, hmm, keeping a distance. And in the form of ourselves, he goes there. <laughs> uh, and it's a problem. <laughs> Look, then it was a problem. Hmm? And, and, that, and that those jiva then, jiva bhuta mahabho, yayedam darite jagat. They are sustaining the world. We're making it go around. A unit of desiring capacity, making the desireless and inanimate uh, world go around and, and come, apparently, to life, take on a life. Hmm? This is described as, you know, as, as, as the, the, the work of the Paramatma, the Mahavishnu, hmm? at the dawning of the, uh, you know, the manifest in, in the world. But of course, these dawnings, these manifestations have no beginning. They come and go like the breathing of Vishnu. So we have the Jiva Shakti and a Maya Shakti and they're um, mixing it up and it's, it's not working that well. Uh, it's it's a, it's a problem. Then we have the intervention of the Sarup Shakti into the world in the form of Bhakti and the possibility for the Jeev to come disentangled from the Maya Shakti. Hmm. And that opportunity is, is uh, always available. Hmm. So, um, so, these two are talked about here. He says, First he says, Brahma, whatever appears to be of any value, if it's not in relation to me, it has no value. It has no reality. Um, know it. Know such a thing as my illusory energy. Or, it can be said, know that as those energies of mine, those shaktis of mine, that appear as a reflection and as darkness. Yata basho, yata tama. Basho means reflection, like abhas, and tama means darkness. Darkness means absence of light. This is the maya shakti. Seen independently of me, it's not. The jiva shakti, which is a reflection, in this, in the language here, um, if you took the light and then you cast it and it bounced and showed uh, and, and 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 illuminated the wall, the reflection of the light illuminating the wall. This is the jiva. Then hmm? the absence of the light, tama, that is the darkness of Maya. But to see either of these, see the light reflected on the wall without understanding its connection with the source, to see the darkness without understanding that it constitutes no more than the absence of light, hmm, is to be an illusion. Hmm? To not understand the world. Hmm? To not understand that, that, that these are these two constituents of the world make it around, they are my shaktis. And I may not appear to be in the picture to those who are ignorant and thinking that these manifestations are separate without really thinking about them, but acting in that way. But 
I am there, and these are entirely dependent upon me. So this is how their dependence, with regard to their dependence upon me, that they're one with me. They have no independent existence. How they're different from me is how the reflected light on the wall is, is different from the, from, from, the, from the light itself. It's dimmer. Hmm? The jiva is a light, but it's a lot dimmer than Bhagawan. Hmm? It can't go out in the dark, but a firefly doesn't do much to dissipate the darkness at night. Hmm? So we are something like that. A little flash. I thought I saw a light there, but it's, it's not enough to illumine to show the path. Hmm? Hmm? Uh, uh, such as the jiva, and again, the maya is, 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 is the, the absence. Bhagawan does not, does not consort with her, does not interact with her. Hmm? She remains, as it's described poetically, at a distance. Hmm? So, to trace, he wants to tell Brahma, to trace out the origin of these two. This is one way in which the world, which I said, is only me, is me. These are my shaktis. Go back to the abed the perspective. They're my shaktis. They're not different from me. So the, there's nothing, uh, only I exist in the manifest world. Only I exist before it, and only I exist after it. As far as it's, mani when it's manifest, these shaktis are not different from me. So it's only me. Of course, another way in which I, he, he says, I am the world, he's speaking about his form, is that his form is the world. His form is all-pervasive. This is a very interesting point brought out in, the, in Satsandarbha. His form is... It's local and all-pervasive at the same time. It's standing in front of Mother Yasoda and being tied up by him and no matter how much rope she could possibly gather, she can't... She's at least two inches short. Hmm? This is one of the significant philosophical points of the Dhammadar Leela, of course. It's not that she, she takes originally the ribbon from her hair from her hair to try to tie up Krishna. And it's just two inches too short. Mischievous ch Krishna. Hmm? And so the ladies, of course, in the community who, who days earlier were, were uh, telling her that, you know, your son is pretty bad boy. He comes to our houses. He steals yogurt hmm? and butter and so forth. And Mother says, so why don't you keep it up high? Because he climbs up, then and they catch. Well, why don't you put it in the dark? Because he's like lights up the dark, and he sees it, and so on. So, so many arguments, and she dismisses them, dismisses them all, and tries to refute them all in her own mind. She's a, a beautiful example of Batsalya Rasa denial. Hmm? <laughs> it's a beautiful example, psychological denial. But then she goes home, of course, and. And in another scenario, before her husband on the marsh, she says, "Why? Aren't, what kind of cowherd are you? You know, you, our son is going out stealing butter and yogurt." She readily admits it. Neighbors are complaining and so forth. And you know, you're, you're the chief of the cowherds. We can't produce sweet enough milk that we can keep him here at home. So of course he makes the arrangement to 
uh, to cull special cows and put them on special grasses to make special milk and so on and so forth. And this is all in connection with the unfolding of the Dhammadar Leela, where again she takes the ribbon, she ties him up, and then uh, tries to, and then those, all those ladies are looking over the walls hmm, into the courtyard and having a fun and laughing and taking much pleasure in that and offering, here, some rope, you know, to add to your ribbon. She adds and ties, and it's two inches too short, and each one gives more rope. And the idea is that, you know, the cowherds, they make rope when they have nothing to do. So they've got unlimited rope, and go, look, and all the rope from all the houses is brought, and still it's not enough. But Krishna's not getting fatter and fatter and fatter all the time. Hmm? He's staying, to use the language of the Bhagavatam, medium size. Hmm? That's why Brahma in the beginning said, please explain to me your form which looks material, but it's not. Hmm? It looks human-like, but I know you're not human-like. You don't do 10,000 years of tapasya and sacrifice and meditation just to see an ordinary human being hmm, appearing before you. No, you're, you're very special, and, and your entourage is, is manifest along with you, and that's very extraordinary. And so uh, you look human-like, but I know you're not. Please explain this to me. Hmm? So... He appears medium size, hmm? not bigger than the biggest, not smaller than the smallest, which he is. Hmm? But the most beautiful thing is medium size, means for the devotee. <laughs> the devotee can handle him, as Prabhupada said, just big enough for the devotee to handle. Hmm? And handle him she does, or tries. Hmm? And ultimately, of course, she's successful because the measure of her, of her affection weighs so heavily upon him that he has to allow her to tie him up, demonstrating that he who is immeasurable, hmm, unconquerable, is nonetheless conquered and and even measured. Yavan, he said, Yavan Aham, you'll be, I want to give you the kind of knowledge uh, through uh, Sadhana Bhakti and my mercy that you'll be able to measure me, who am immeasurable. Even my Maya is immeasurable, what to speak of me, but you'll be able to. means you'll be able to see me in this way, in medium size. And you'll be able to look at my limbs like Mother Yasoda does and, and say, what are these scratches here? And so forth. So the forest has been rough on you. And friends like Subal thinking, huh, if only she knew what those scratches were. Uh, and so forth. So, uh, the, so the point of this, anyway, the Dhamma is that his form is all pervasive. We're in the form of Krishna. As I said, the world is a person. That's just not us. This idea is uh, emphasized in the Ramanuja Sampradaya, the idea that the world is the body of God. I told this on one internet discussion about panentheism to one um, Christian scholar, and I cited the Ramanuja and so forth. He said, do you really believe that the world is the body of God? He just like a hard time, like, it's kind of weird, isn't it? The world is the body of God? Hmm. Yeah, but that's not the whole story, of course. He's also medium-sized. That makes more sense, perhaps. Um, uh, so he, he is the world, and he's independent of the world. He's, he's medium-sized, he's, he's uh, uh, local, and he's all-pervasive. We say sometimes he's all-pervasive as the super-soul. Yes, he's all pervasive as Bhagwan also, or he's all pervasive as as Brahman. 
He's all pervasive as Bhagwan also. <laughs> the world is the is is the body of Krishna. Hmm? And that can all all of that what the world is and more can appear before you hmm? as your friend. This is this is blowing Brahma's mind, as you can imagine. I I met you, you shook my hand, you wanted to be friends with me, I wanted to know about you. What you're telling about me is going to make me pass out. Hmm? This is what my friend, you're, you're everything. Hmm? You are the world as it manifests and, and when it's not manifest and so forth. And, and these shaktis are yours. This is another way in which you are the world. These shaktis, seen independently of you, have no meaning, no value. Hmm? That's illusion. To see them in relation to me is to see them as they are and then to see me. Hmm? thereby, somewhat indirectly with regard to the Maya Shakti and the Jiva Shakti, but with regard to the Sarup Shakti, that's to see me more directly than you could otherwise. Indeed, I cannot be seen but by the influence of my Sarup Shakti, who reveals me. Hmm? That vision of me, that sees me as independent of the Sarup Shakti, is not the whole vision of me. Some yogi meditating on Krishna, Paramatma, for example. Hmm? That's not to see me as I am. So, I'm wrapped up with these uh, uh, Shaktis. I'm better known by them. Shakti is, in one sense, that by which, for example, we ourselves do something, we accomplish something. I've given an example. Sometimes people say, well, I, I know Swami. He's an author. I read his book. Hmm? So when you say I, I I know him I know it, I uh, he's an author you're talking about what he does by his his writing shakti hmm? now how much will you know me if you say you know me use me as an example independent of what I do you I'm better known by what I do hmm? okay he's a this he's a that how can you know me independently of what I do how much will you know of me Hmm? So I know him. What do you know about him? Nothing. <laughs> I mean, I know he looks like that. Um, oh, but you don't know him. Hmm? You don't know what he's like. Hmm? What his nature is. So to know Krishna's nature is to. He said, "I will show you." Yavanaham, aham bhavo. You, my intentions. You'll, you'll be able to measure me, know my intentions. This means to know me in conjunction with my Sarup Shakti. Hmm? Know me uh, as a friend, as a lover, as, as, as so on and so forth. So the point being that to, to understand the Shakti of Bhagavan is really key to understanding him, to knowing him um, completely, to know him independently as much as one could of his, of his Shakti. is not really know very much about him. Therefore, again, the, the point of the Godi is that n knowing and serving Radha is certainly a way for the way for knowing Krishna uh, comprehensively. Hmm? So the description of his shaktis, this also then falls under the category of Sambandagyan, how they relate, how they relate to him, they're one with him, they're different from him at the same time, they function as if different while being dependent upon him at the same time. Like I said, you, they function, the world's going on, you don't see him, 
You see the Maya Shakti, you see consciousness, uh, if you understood properly, you see two things, a subjective and an objective um, component to the world. A thinking, a feeling, a willing component, and then another inanimate um, component that's moved by it. And, and this is how everybody more or less feels life, life is. They feel there's consciousness and it moves matter. I conceive of something in my subjective self, and then I carry that out and, and, and that act in relation to uh, the body, the brain, and, and extension of things that I interact with. This is the natural feeling of everyone. Of course, people, some people argue philosophically against this, but that's a whole other dark tama, darkness of... <laughs> Of illusion. So, the point is that that you can you can see, if you will, or think of naturally, uh, intuitively, without using these terms, these two shaktis make up the world. So, subjective and objective. But you don't see Bhagwan necessarily. Hmm? So they appear to be independent, but looking carefully, he says, they're not. And that's how I want you to look, Brahma. He told him, I want you to pay close attention and take this up. Take it up means don't listen idly. Listen to what I'm saying and now apply what I'm saying in your life. And then you'll see these connections. Hmm? Making all these connections, that is the Sambandagyan. Hmm? When you make all these connections, the obvious conclusion is do bhakti. Hmm? There's a result of that, of course, which is prema, that is the fruit, the prayogen. That comes in the discussion of um, tomorrow's verse. Any question? Yes. The world is the body of God. Is that a different idea than the Vishvarupa? Is that a different idea than the Vishvarupa? I think the Vishvarupa idea is included in that um, when you look at the Vishvarup concept uh, like for example Krishna showed the Vishvarup that idea you're talking about um, there's two ways to talk about it I suppose you could say one way to talk about it is the world is the body of God as the Bhagavatam says the clouds are his hair the trees are the uh, his um, something else bones or something uh, mountains are his bones uh, the sun is one eye the moon is the other this is a type of description of the world as the body of God but that is considered to be a kind of a conceptualization for um, entry level contemplation of God in relation to the world before our eyes. Hmm? Um, not in a literal sense. Therefore, in the literal sense, no, the, the mountains are not his bones. Hmm? The rivers are not his veins. Indeed, he doesn't have any veins. Hmm? <laughs> as Brahma Samhita. Does Brahma Samhita describe that or is that Prabhupada's commentary? I forget. Or Isopanishad. Hmm? 
He has no veins. But then in the, the, the universal form described in the Bhagavatam as the beginning, it's the beginning orientation. It's, it's meant to say, help you try to see the world in a sacred way so that you don't exploit the world for your mentally conceived uh, purposes. And thus, as you become less of an exploiter and start to acknowledge the world in relation to God, see it, seeing it's, uh, it's in a sacred light and so forth, then you're in a better position to um, enter into spiritual practice. It goes from a description of this imaginary, if you will, world is, is the body of God to the, to the, to the Purusha, the Paramatma. Hmm? Talking about Sugadev's explanation to, in the Bhagavatam to Pariksit as he starts out. Hmm? Um, uh, progressively like this. So that universal form is not what we mean when we say that Krishna's uh, body is the world, his form. We're talking about the form before Malia showed as I gave in the example of the Dhammadar Lila. It's, it's all pervasive. This is more in which the sense in which the Ramanujas think of it, Vishnu's body is the world, and so forth. Now there's another type of universal form, or Vishvarup, as you know, that, for example, which was shown to Arjuna hmm, in Bhagavad Gita, the theophany of see the world is inside of me, everything. Hmm. Now, this this is more of a I, I would say more of an accurate way of talking about the idea that the body of God is the world, similar to Yashoda's experience in Krishna Leela, where she looked in his mouth to see if he had eaten dirt as he was accused by others, including his elder brother, hmm? only to find that there was a lot of dirt in his mouth, mm. that the whole universe was, was inside of his, his, his tummy, and that she was inside... And, and, and his, he was inside, and she was looking inside his mouth, and there was another world, and and so on and so forth. So uh, she had the vision of the Vishvarupa hmm, that corresponds with the idea that Krishna's body uh, is all-pervasive. Does that help? Hmm? The vision of, of uh, the universal, the Vishvarupa vision of Yashoda, is a vision of what what that corresponds with what we mean when we say that Krishna's body, Krishna's form is all pervasive. Hmm? So everything, the world, the world, the, the world is the body of God. Hmm? That Vishvarup, you asked if that if this if that's what is meant by the world is the body of God, the Vishvarup. That Vishvarup she saw that corresponds with that idea. Hmm? Very esoteric. Say the least, but she point is the Bhagavatam. She had the vision. Hmm? She had the vision about her son. He's like this. The whole world is contained within him. Hmm? And she was looking at him, and he wasn't getting any bigger. As at that, not at that instance either. Hmm? So nothing outside of 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 God, hmm? except for himself. Outside of the world, I should say, except for himself. And outside means in medium form, hmm? medium size. This is a very sp special 
That's the that's the that's an illusion. He's actually everywhere. <laughs> but that's a kind of illusion you want. That's the illusion of the Sarup Shakti. Hmm? Which under which you see him separately hmm? from the reality that he's everywhere. But that kind of separate vision that we want. Hmm? That kind of tama, that kind of darkness. That is, uh, that is, the, that is some bit. It's called knowledge, but it is darkness. Mm-hmm. Ignorance as to the the maj- majesty of Bhagwan mm-hmm. that allows one to see him as the sun. She saw the majesty and 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 of course couldn't believe it. He just, I think, it said somewhere in some Purana, a cat meowed, and she was brought back to the reality. He's just my son. Pardon me? That ignorance is bliss. That ignorance is bliss in the full sense of the term. Right. Yes, Ishan. This is not very important. I dismiss it when it comes up repeatedly in my mind that you were talking about uh, no veins and uh, we know that still Nityananda Prabhu had blood and Krishna as a child passes unthinkable things on the floor sometimes urinating sometimes other things so um, I'll give you a proper answer go there and find out (laughs) (laughs) to say he has no veins in other sense means to say his body is not material Hmm. of course Hmm. that's another way in which we say he has no form Still, he has a form, right? The other thing that came to mind was that the description that you were giving scope to of Krishna's that the world is the form of God. He he tells us, Radharani, that at Kurukshetra, she rejects it. Right. It doesn't really. Gyan. You come here to give us Gyan. We're not interested in that. And through your gown, you're trying to get off the hook by saying this is all the providence, but you are providence, so you're not off the hook. You've done What you've done is it's not good. You've left us, left us pining for you only. Right. That gown, as we said, is ignorant. That ignorance is bliss. That gown has no place. Uddhava came there to give gown. He said... Don't cry. I mean, you know, this happens. You got to get separated from people. That's just the way the world works. And he's thinking, but they're crying about Krishna, and Krishna's God, and he's the person to separate people. Well, I guess that crying is okay. But I, I'm here to tell him not to cry. But, and he realizes I'm here to learn something. I thought I was here to teach something. I'm here to learn something, and we learn something from that, from Uddhava, and his bewilderment. As he said, it's this beyond the Veda. And Veda means knowledge. And love knows no, no reason. It's a very, uh, you know, you want to reason about it only to a point. <laughs> right. Exactly, yeah. This is not the... Uh, Interest of the devotee. Dasya Sakya Vatsalya Mother, this has nothing to do with Paramatma. 
Shantarasa, interested in the Paramatma, but not, not in Golok. Anything else? Bal Krishna, yeah, he's showing that the whole world is coming from this boy sucking on his toe, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is an interesting feat, <laughs> lying on a banyan leaf, yeah, the banyan leaf is, you know, the world upside down, there he is, so, yeah, he got it had an extraordinary vision, he wanted to see Maya, wow, don't ask for that. <laughs> oh, Vishnu Maya, very powerful. Yes. Maya Shakti is in an unmanifest state, Pradhan, state of equilibrium, without the jivas, force of the jiva activating. That's why we say consciousness gives meaning to matter, gives value to it, makes the world go round. Hmm. There's no meaning of the world of Maya Shakti without the jiva Shakti. There is a condition of matter, you could say, Maya Shakti, unmanifest. Mm -hmm. Just like the jivas are unmanifest, they're in a homogeneous state, for the most part within Vishnu, sleep, susupi it's called, deep sleep. So the Maya Shakti is all wound up and then comes out again. Mm -hmm. So it's not that it doesn't exist, but uh, but it um, becomes manifest in that by the influence of Bhagwan, who, in form of his glancing, as it's described, uh, impregnates the Maya with uh, the jivas. So, yeah, there's no world without jivas. It does what you're asking. There's no world out there drifting around without without the jivas. Mm. That's why karma is an adi. Mm. There have to be jivas. And it has to be in Maya for there to be a world. And the binding force is karma. Hmm. So if there was a world functioning without jivas, then you wouldn't have to have an adi karma. But <laughs> but there isn't. So. Does that answer your question? Well, on that side, Maya is dependent upon the jivas. Jeevas are dependent upon the Maya, well, to function in this world, and both dependent upon Bhagavan. Anything else? Krantara Srimad Bhagavatam Kijai.